Done our jobs. Um, plus, it's a lot of fun for us. So, um, thanks for coming. Um, you know, today's topic. I thought that we might talk about um, guys that have a reputation, um, mm-hmm. like you or I, um, and many others in this business, get hired because uh, they have maybe a signature sound. Um, and I always wonder if. The guys that um, are are at this level, let's say, and um, other people perceive what that signature sound is. Do do you know what your signature sound is? I think I do. Okay. Uh, I mean, and honestly, I would have to say, I don't know that. I don't know how many people would be able to verbalize it, but I know what it is because I every night have a goal. Like I have a mission. I have a goal. I have a very defined thing that I'm going for. Um, so if you're, you're asking me, you want me to tell you what I think it is? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm just wondering because it's, it's, no, no, I just, I just, I, I always wonder if like people, because, all right, listen, in my career, uh, when I first started out, there was, I heard a lot of people saying, oh man, you know, your drums are amazing. Mm -hmm. Then later on in my career, there were people saying, oh man, the guitar tones that you're getting are amazing. And then, so I just wonder if like, I'm, I'm asking myself too. Like, do I yeah. really know what my signature sound is? I, um, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I think for me and it's, and it's on purpose. If someone ever sort of phrases what they like about my show in this way, I'm, I'm like, okay, that's exactly what I was trying to do. I, I would say, uh, and this is nothing groundbreaking here as, as far as a goal goes, but what I typically get is, clean, uh, powerful, you know, powerful and clean is what, is what I get. And then, and then something along the lines of detailed. And like when I'm, when I'm mixing, I almost envision, I like, even if sonically, even if what we're doing is warm and round and maybe kind of a, a browner toned, low mid, heavy, earthy source, it still to me needs to be very well sh- like defined in what it is in its shape in its in its features um i almost think a lot of times when i get to do like a really like a cool rock mix anything heavy or a slam and hip-hop or pop song or something like that i almost picture almost like an athlete just this ripped athlete that is performing at the highest level you know what i mean and totally just nailing every move and it's you're looking at a superhero this thing is just so you know and that's kind of the way i want my mixes to be i like tight i like powerful i like loud enough 
and this is a big one. I like loud. I okay. There are times when it's neat to be like, Oh, the show is up there. I'm watching a show on that stage up there. What appealed to me as a kid is the, the, the sensation of no, there's a party going on and it's like all around me. Like I'm in it. You know what I mean? That band is doing this thing and it's in the room. It's we're all in it together. So I like an impactful mix uh, with some volume, but not harsh. And I think I know I learned that early on that there were the loud guys and then there were the guys that could somehow make it loud, but your ears didn't hurt or it was clean and you didn't wince and you didn't, you know what I mean? So, yes. well, uh, I mean, it, it's the, the terms are good, loud and bad, loud. Right. Right. You know, I mean, uh, I've definitely seen a bunch of people where it's like, holy crap, this is really bad, loud. Um, and then, you know, good, loud is, is the, the ones that we're all shooting for, I think. Um, yeah. um, I, I think you touched on something that's really, you know, something that I shoot for in my mixes is definition. Um, so what I see my role of as a live sound engineer is to not so much be a producer, really. It's about replicating what the recording is in an impactful way, right? So for me, it's like learning every little nuance that they spent months in a studio trying to recreate and trying to emulate that, but in a more impactful way um, so that when you're, you're there, you feel the, the energy of, of what's going on. Um, and some of the way that I do that, and I think what is part of my particular signature thing is, um, the definition of being able to pick out every single little nuance and yes. instrument up that. there, you know, that, yes. yes. I'm saying that not for you, but like for anyone listening or what, like make that be a goal because I've enjoyed, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've enjoyed that compliment too. If I could hear everything, you know, yes. I've also felt the dagger of, man, I could only hear really, it's just seemed like an all guitar, <laughs> you know, I've been on the other end of it too. But yeah, as you're saying it, I implore those out there, make that your goal to where you can hear, you've mentioned with Maiden where and i had the same thing like in the jam band world where it was a band of six people but people had like their own character and it wasn't you couldn't no one could dip ever so your goal every night is to make sure everyone's audible at all times that's what's tough man that's a that's a mix right there. oh man that Sorry, is i, I mean that. no i know i did too um i mean that is <laughs> honestly the hardest part about iron maiden and um well of, of any band but in iron maiden in particular is that people that are iron maiden fans are fans of the band but they're fans of individual band members too and so they show yep. up and yep. it's like i'm a davy guy and i want to hear every single little note that davy's playing even when he's not soloing even when the other guys are soloing i want to be able to hear my guy right mm -hmm. and that's true of every single band member and so finally Finding space and definition for all of that is, um, I think, a real skill, and I and I think it is more and more the reason that I get hired. I hear that more and more. Mm -hmm. um, I think certainly um, 
after working for Iron Maiden for a, a short amount of time and they were starting to get feedback from fans and from management and all the people that they thought it sounded amazing, those were kind of the comments they were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh, I could I, never hear I, that. I could never right. hear that Tom feel before. Right. I could right. never hear that guitar part before. Right. I heard things I had never heard before. That's always exactly. that, that, that one always feels really good. If it's a yeah. song that's been played for years, and, yes. and people out in the crowd are, are making note of that. Absolutely, different. yeah, absolutely, and that and that is a goal. Um, so I think if someone asked me, it's funny because my the the description of what my signature is, the pooch signature, mm-hmm. has changed over time. I think honestly, when I was starting. I was really known for my drums. Like seriously, I've had a lot of That's people a say good first level black belt kind of thing. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That's a good entry into badassness. <laughs> but it's also sorry, man, I gotta cut you off. No, it's true, it's true. Go, go, also go. A slippery slope because something because I, you know, I too could say that same thing. And if there is one thing I'm good at for sure. You know, and it, you, fuck, you know me, man. It's like we, <laughs> I beat upon myself more than I want to give myself credit sometimes, but I can't, I know I'm pretty good at drums. And, uh, you, the one thing you don't want to be is a, oh, he's got a great drum sound, but that's all it is. And that's a very stereotypical live sound thing with the lead yes. kick drum. And the reason yes. the drums sound good is they're eight times louder than everything. And that's bullshit. That is a bullshit mix. And that's a really good point. So the difference between things just being louder Mm -hmm. and things being good in the sense of definition, Mm -hmm. I think is an evolution for me. So for instance, when I first started, um, even though I was coming from being a a, a recording engineer and and a, a mixer, people latched on to the way that my drums sounded, not because they were louder in my mixes, but because they had more definition and impact. And I think as I was younger, I couldn't figure out how to do that with the rest of my mix. Yes. Right. Well, and I know you and I have talked before. I, I, I remember, I remember the dumbest shit, but it was a few years ago, you had started Maiden and maybe I was asking, we were basically talking about, because again, you only have so much room in a stereo bus. You oh, only man. have so much room in a mix. I know. So how do you keep those impactful drums and those badass guitars in where ultimately volume does matter? And how do you not have them mask? Again, that's where we're getting into the skill set here. That's yes. when we're getting to the art of it. You know, That's totally true. And, yeah. and what's hard about this is, you know, we say that statement that you just said, and now everybody out there right this instant are going, how do we do that? How do we do it? And, and let me, and, and you know what? And I, and I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, I didn't finish the thought. And, and y'all Pooch's answer was, man, I don't fucking know. Like it was literally like, and it was just like a lot of times our conversations are such that it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. That, yeah. Like you yeah. struggle with that too, or you, yeah, you yeah. blah, 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 blah. And it, that was really your answer was just like, I know, man, I struggle with it. But you know what it is, though, um, is very much so is the I'm not going to let it beat me and I will try in every way to oh, yeah. make it work. And Absolutely. so I think that's part of it. I may not know the answer to the mm-hmm. puzzle, you know, of trying to make these guitars work and whatever, but 
I, not only in rehearsals, but during the tour, I am still spending an hour and a half every single day yep. in my headphones and virtual playback going, I'm not letting this beat me, man. I'm going to figure out a way Same. to make that one little section of that guitar that hasn't worked this entire I tour. Know. I know. <laughs> I'm going to make that fucker work. Tonight's if it's the last night. thing that I do. Tonight's yeah. the night. Yeah. And, and so I think that is... That is the answer to that in the sense of when I say, I can't really teach you mm -hmm. how to make definition out of a multitude of things when we're talking about only having a limited bandwidth within your mix bus yeah. and space and all those kind of things. That is kind of, to me, is it's an upper level thing that is not a conscious thought for me really mm -hmm. it kind of just happens for me but along with it the one that i can tell you that i do all the time is it doesn't happen for me that instant it's an evolution over time where yeah. i'm just nicking away at it going i'm gonna make this work <laughs> if it's the last thing that i do and finally at some point it all kind of goes gook Yep. And I go, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Now we're in this, in this position. Yeah. I know that maybe doesn't help some people out there. I hope it does. I mean, that's my point to that is like, never give up. Like, yeah. even if you are like, you know, you're saying I can't make this work. I can't make it work together. Try mm -hmm. something else, do something else. Mm -hmm. I try drastic changes sometimes mm -hmm. to try to make something work. EQ, yeah. compression, whatever it is, drastic changes. Yeah. And I'll How go down you? swinging too. You know what I mean? Just yeah. to the very, to the last bell sounds fighting that thing, trying to get it somewhere. Totally. Um, but it, do you have a conscious thought? Like that's, that's me. I'm saying that I'm not really on this weird, you know, and that's, I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm, you know, there are a lot of times where I do something in my mix. And if somebody was standing there watching me do it, and asked me why, how I knew to do that, I wouldn't be able to tell yeah, them. No, there, at a certain point, it really is. And that's the thing is I could be in any number of moods and walk up to a console and something just happens, you know, once it starts and I am in it and I'm moving and I am reacting. Uh, I make a lot of comparisons to athletics, but it's like, you know, you don't want to get an athlete on his heels where he's thinking, he or she is thinking too much. You want them reacting. And I find that we're the same way. You know, I just know to go there. Yeah. I know just, just like yourself. I don't always know the, if you ask me, how did I know? I don't know that I would always know. Um, but, but I think that it does come from experimentation. Yeah. It comes from years and years of me trying things and just saying, Oh, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. When, mm -hmm. when I'm trying to find a solution, I am bringing up the memories of all of those things. Right. Like I tried that with yeah. such and such a band and it didn't work. I'm yeah. going to try it here. Or um, I know this listening environment. I've been here a million times, even if right. you hadn't been in that literal room one time. Yeah. Those same sorts of things, you know, you've been totally. there, you know what you just, you know, it's an interesting thing me because you know, I, 
in my journey of trying to kind of give back to the sound community and be like, okay, these are some things that I know if take any of it. And if it works for you, then great. I feel like that's my job in life in the twilight of my career here <laughs> in the twilight, the twilight of my mediocre career. If I can, uh, if I can, give, <laughs> if there's something that I can impart on people, you know, um, yeah. then, then cool. It makes me feel good that I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we start talking about kind of this higher level of, the, my signature, which is this definition, it's a it's a higher level of thinking mm-hmm. that I have I struggle with to teach, if that makes sense, yeah. right? And it needs to be pointed out, and you, and you have, I mean, you said it yourself. It's changed, you know, and it's. I think our styles. Anyone that's had a good deal of okay, anyone. There's a lot of people that have a good a deal of success. If you just are, your metric is how many gigs have they had. We are right. at the live sound in, in industry, the, the front of house more than anywhere. Monitors to a degree, but you get called out in monitors pretty damn fast. Um, the front of house end of things, man, we are like the shining example of like, just stick around long enough, you know, <laughs> and you just become a name. And there's yeah. just a lot. But as far as like the guys house who are really, really next level, their sound has progressed over the years. Because, and I think part of that. Well, there's a number of reasons, but like you said, you, you kind of learn what you're good at. And then those are your little sort of your little poster children of your mix. You know, they're your little stars, but then you realize that's not enough. Right. And then you realize how to make everything else. And like, for me, there's things like overheads, uh, overheads and bass guitar. Those were like the white whale to me for me still are. But you know what? Like, I'm really good at those things now, finally, because they <laughs> they kick my ass for so long. Right. I know. I totally get it. Those are two things in live sound which should kick your ass. Like, those are difficult things. And so you learn how to make – you just learn. You just learn. And what you come up with is this thing where suddenly all of your sources are pretty awesome. Something I struggle with because we do listen at such a deep level. But it's not like you're sitting there going – it's like, it's almost, it's just this, it's just part of you. you know no, that's to, true. I know. You know. I know. You know how to listen. Um, I know. I, I, the way that I describe this and it, it kind of, it, I don't want this to sound very, you know, ego driven. And in no way am I saying that I'm Eddie Van Halen, but it's the way that I describe this is it's like Eddie Van Halen is a guitar player and it's not it's not that he's this amazing guitar player because he practiced more than other people mm-hmm. and has skills better than other people there's just something in in yeah. him that makes him Eddie Van Halen i think that's true of mixers too yeah. i think that there is there are internal parts that are required for this skill set of being a a mixer that is not just good but outstanding mm-hmm. there's a there's a vast difference between those two kind of mixers and i think unfortunately some of that is kind of god-given like it's internal um uh at least in my case i mean i know that i didn't all the things that i do um i th- there's a lot of them that i i didn't learn from somebody they just happened and mm-hmm. i went okay well this is you know uh what i was meant to do obviously um 
So I don't know. Does that make sense? Like I'm trying to say that there's no, 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 no. I feel like the artistry part of this is what I'm talking about. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, I'll tell you something I struggle with. This is more as of late is because we listen so deeply. uh, Sometimes I have to stop listening so deeply. I have to quit listening like a mixer, you know, and I just step back. I don't, I don't step away from the desk very much, you know, and I literally, if it is just to push myself back, take two steps back or to actively stop mixing for one second to take your hands off the faders and the encoders or the knobs or the what, just stop for a minute. Cause you're like me, you're touching something all the time, all the time, even if it's just to, to do it, you know, um, to just stop for a minute and pretend like I'm listening to music. Cause I get lost in this really deep head trip of like, do I know what music sounds like? Or do I just know how to make a lot of things sound good together? Like, cause it's a difference. <laughs> I know. I know how to I make know. it. You know, and, and, and that's the thing like we, and for me, when we talk about this signature sound now, part of having a sound that's defined for me by power, um, it, it's a lot about power and, 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 yeah, and, and detail and clarity, but the power end of it, if you're not careful, well, first of all, you can get too loud, but if you're not careful, a lot of times power doesn't groove power is more mechanical and physical and and music even the most even Rammstein or whatever is there's it's there's a groove in there there's some oh, yeah. you know what i mean it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, i've literally never listened to Rammstein in my life but i'm just trying to think of some big aggressive industry whatever so you sometimes i go up there when you mix the like when you mix the way i do it is i it, i'm trying to hit a home run every time so it's pretty much home run or strikeout. There's no middle ground for me. And there's a very, there's a mix out there in live sound that is like the most accepted, readily uh, uh, accepted mix that it is. And it's very flat and you can hear everything. And the snare drum keeps time with the kick drum, you know, but it doesn't do anything. Or the bass is there, but you don't really hear notes. Right. You know, but the vocals on top. So it's okay. And I don't know how to do that. Like, so what I'm saying is, so I dominate every night. No, I don't. (laughs) And when I miss, that's the problem is that we miss a lot. And when when I miss it, it's this big consortium of aggressive sounds that are all hanging out in the air together. And it does, it doesn't groove. So, Anyway, I struggle with, so what I'm saying is this elevated plane of listening that I like to think I can get to, I also have to step off of sometimes. That's interesting. My, you know, I do the same thing except that, all right, so it's, I've thought a lot about this, like only because I'm trying to tell a younger generation of what should be going on inside of their head. Mm -hmm. while they're mixing, you know what I mean? Um, And so I've tried to overanalyze like what, I do to try to help other people. Um, and I, I think what I am the most excellent at, and I think this is true of most engineers is to be able to pick out an individual thing amongst the 120 inputs mm-hmm. and focus solely on that individual thing. And in a dynamic way, in an EQ way, um, and in a spatial way, only on that 
So like I can literally in a mix, I can get lost into a hi-hat that is, you know, in the overall picture of things is, is like not that important, but I can literally fixate myself on that. And the problem with that is, is that I start doing that to various things while the mix is going on, while the show is happening and I lose the overall picture of what's happening and i i i have to force myself just like you to Mm -hmm. like you know i mean it's almost like one of those movie shots you know where you're in something really close and then you you know you have to you have to pull out and like listen to the whole thing and i have to force myself to listen to it as a musical thing just like you said Mm -hmm. um and then it takes me just a a millisecond to get right back into whatever that little little thing Mm -hmm. is but Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to help people to understand, like, I don't sit there during a show listening to the overall picture that much, really. Yeah. Like, I, I literally am, like, focused on one little thing. And, that, and that's my point. Yeah. that And that's because sometimes if I do that, not sometimes, I do the same thing. I would like to think we all do. I know. And I, too, am a lot. I'm not listening to music as a whole. Yeah. Except on the best of best of best nights. But you know, only because we know that the music as a whole is fine and good. that it's it's all good. good. Like we worked hours and hours yes. to get it good. So mm-hmm. I've let it go. I'm saying, okay, I know it's good, but this one little thing is important to me and I have to fucking fix yes. that one little and thing. And if one little thing is off in that mix that we feel so strongly is good, we will know. Like That's right. um, immediately will we know? Um, I use this analogy kind of talking along the, along the same lines of what we're talking here. I use this analogy a lot about getting lost in a mix and fixating on that hi-hat or fixating on whatever it might be. Um, years ago when I was production manager for a band that was mixing two, uh, it was doors and I went up to the LD and this is back in the day when guys had to climb the trust and focus the cans and you know, the, he was sitting there and he's just been squinting at this rig all day long. And he's got this huge look up and it looks really cool, but he's been looking at the individual pieces for so long. He didn't notice that there was a, one of the ladders that the guys had climbed was like hanging. Down, obviously, obviously, obviously yeah, like fucked up stage center, right in the middle where a logo, like clear as day. And I'm like, uh, Hey man, you <laughs> might want to ask you guys yeah. to take that down. And he literally was like, what do you, what? what are you talking about? You know? Wow. And, and I laugh cause I was like, I get it. You I know? get it. I get it. He's yeah. lost. He's lost in it. The signature thing is a question that I think, um, if you're an up and coming mixer, it's maybe something that you should start asking yourself. Like, what am I good at? Like, what are, what are the things? And the reason is, is because if you don't know what you're good at, how can you sell yourself to somebody? And what, what's your goal every night? Are you right. just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I just think it's important that maybe it's something that you should think about is, uh, you know, what is my signature sound? What am I very good at? And also it might help you to focus on the things that you're not good at. Right. Yep. Like, um, you know, if you feel like your drums and your guitars are amazing, but you just can't get the vocal right, then quit working on your drums and guitars, man. Like, right. you know, work on your vocal. Um, so anyway, I thought that was something interesting. Um, kind of along this same vein, mm-hmm. sort of, um, is the, the never ending 
uh, dilemma <laughs> uh, for me of um, smart versus your ears. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I, I did this yesterday. Um, listen, do I think smart is an amazing tool? Absolutely. hundred percent. I think that, um, and I, I use it on a regular basis. Um, I think it's, uh, uh, like virtual playback. It is something that has worked into my workflow that I really probably, if I didn't have it, it would suck if I didn't have it. Um, but the difference I think between me and maybe some younger engineers, because I've watched some of these videos of people out there or the younger engineers where they talk about smart kind of being the Messiah. Like it is the end all be all. I look at smart. I see that there's some phase coherency here. So I'm going to ignore those couple of frequencies, but everything else Mm -hmm. is like, this is what's happening. Like if I see the curve, right, then it's right. And I would be the first guy to kind of argue with you that that's not true. I mean, I've heard things, that sound good, yeah, yeah, that yeah. look bad. That's what um, I meant to say. No, 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 no. I, I, I was with you 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, like, I've sat there and been like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool and musical, and then looked at Smart and went, ooh. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot of, like, 2.5 and 3K. Right. But wait a minute. It doesn't sound like it's not aggressive. You know what I mean? So there's there's this whole thing that, and I, I I'm trying to get across to young engineers that, smart is a tool and it's great and being able to see audio is important but it's still fucking audio so it matters what it sounds like the guy i've said this a hundred times the guy holding the 40 ounce beer in the front row doesn't give a fuck what it looks like Mm -hmm. you know what he cares about is can i am i standing here in the front row can i hear the vocals and can i hear you know, whatever guy that I'm standing in front of, whatever band member, I like that guy, you know, Um, if I can hear that guy and it sounds really good and it's big and it's impactful and it's shaking my body, then that's good. It doesn't matter what smart is saying. Um, And so speak to that a little bit, but also we'll go down maybe this path too about perceived loudness and measured loudness. And And yeah. And when I said, I just did this yesterday, I mentioned in another video uh, that I had just tuned a PA. I had a fortunate, uh, I was fortunate enough yesterday to have the opportunity to go out into the wild and with proper social distancing, <laughs> tune a PA. And where I was veering uh, from smart, uh, and this was smart used in the right way. And I say that for a reason, because I'm getting ready to segue into smart being used in the wrong way. Okay. Uh, where it was, I was making some tonal choices that broke from my target curve, but I knew why I was doing them because they were in the area. They were right around that two, two, five thing. And that's where you get into Fletcher Munson curves, perceived loudness, all that kind of, so I knew why I was doing it. Um, and, uh, but, but anyway, the big thing, as you were talking, I think is just, there's a general misunderstanding of when and how to use uh, tuning software, you know, and we're just, I'm just going to say smart, just like people, a lot of times will say pro tools. That's our pro right, tools right. guy. And he uses Ableton. We're just going to keep it simple. We're going to say smart. Um, and there even, there are even people that know, you know, when you do measurements with something like smart, you're not, you are on axis for a reason with that, with that single stack and all the others, all the other sources are turned off until they're not for a reason. And then when you move that mic off axis, it's for a reason, you know, there's all, it's very specific. You way you, the way that you use the tool, 
then you get to showtime and that mic is sitting somewhere in the room yeah with a million sources going on you know and so at that point in time like you you shouldn't have if you spent that afternoon even if you weren't involved you know what's going on knowing and believing in the validity uh and the execution of tuning software of smart you can't then just put it in an area where it's really not meant to give you a super valid reason you're you're just so i think it's it's just a it's a crutch it's an excuse it's a thing of fear you know um and i say all of this and i sit i have a smart screen that always every tour sits totally to my right me too and people a lot of times think i watch it i don't i just when i mix a lot of times i cock my chair to the right and if like my rack is here and my console is here i I make this little world yes where nobody can kind of fuck with me you know what i'm saying i do too and i do uh the other way maybe but yeah i do the same thing yeah yeah you know i've got my little world and that's what i'm saying please don't bother me. Um, and <laughs> so I'm looking at smart and if it's, uh, and I will stare at, it, and if I look at something and I know that the, and I don't just mean via the coherency either. If I know them, the data is valid and yes. I've looked at it long enough, I'll make a difference. And because we were talking about how deeply we know these mixes, if I know the mix isn't flawed overall, at 4k yet the transfer function is continually peaking there that's legit believe that there is a room or excuse me there's a system uh anomaly there that needs to be corrected but i'll Indeed. also i'll have the best night in the world and look over and the thing looks horrible but i know <laughs> it's this is not the time to use it that's you know exactly right yeah, yeah yeah so i have very strong feelings on it mainly just because i am such a believer and such a proponent in smart that I hate to watch it abuse. And I also hate to watch it have become the um, scapegoat for a lot of engineers who don't know how to use it. So they just want to rip on it being like, I just use my ears. That's stupid. <laughs> like, oh, no, you, I, that's not you, at all what I was I, saying. I was like, I know. Yeah. yeah. This, that's this, not this, at all what I was saying. Cool. I'm, yeah. I know. No, you're not. No, totally. But it's become a yeah. scapegoat for a lot of those guys. You know, I agree. So, I think that, you know, when I say that, when I say that, Hey, use your ears, uh-huh. I, I'm speaking to, uh, an example of what you're describing, like in the middle of a show or whatever, yes. you know, you're looking at stuff, but during the day when you're tuning PAs and looking at it, there's nothing better than having those tools. It's a reason we use them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we turn them off and we listen. Yes. I mean, <laughs> that's honestly, I mean, yeah. honestly, that's like it. smart used as a tool to align things, to get everything in alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing better to do it uh, you know what i mean like figuring out how to get your subs in alignment along with the the side hangs that now you have three sets of side hangs and your main that are all interacting with each other and using smart as a tool to get the best result of that culmination there's you know you just couldn't do that like with your ears you wouldn't be able to figure out uh distance wise like how to do that and so having that piece of software to do that is imperative in the the day and age that we live at um i'm just talking about how much kind of after that (laughs) people start doing like drastic things to eq and uh you know all kinds of crazy stuff based upon looking at something that um may or may not be valid i got a great i got a great one so yesterday so we're tuning this system right 
uh, and that had the option on the mains to leave them full range or to put them in some sort of, you know, a cut mode yeah. type thing. Now looking at the data, I quickly, as we, when we turned it on, I went there and I only had one measurement, Mike, I didn't have all my super slutty four that are being, <laughs> I just, it's kind of, kind of, kind of rogue with a normal person way of doing it. Anyway, I got, I got the curve I was looking for, right? Particularly with the slope to the low end, all this and that, it looked fine. It measured fine. In fact, it measured perfect. I was very happy with what we had. I started listening, however, and very clearly we talked about tuning on here and I talked about what songs I use. And, and to that point, the one with has the, the run on the neck, it's do, 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 Guess what? Every boo was there. Well, no, it was there. It was distorted. Ah, and I could hear the drivers just farting out on every time. And, and that didn't measure that didn't measure. And I'm sitting there with the, the guys representative from the company. And I'm like, and the, and the big point of this tuning was to tighten the rig up on the low, in the low end. And, and he, and, and you know, and he was kind of like, well, I mean, yeah, but you know, I mean, we're, you know, it really should run in that mode. And I'm like, but it sounds, but it bad. sounds bad. Like I don't give a shit. Like that note is unacceptable. And that's where we're starting. What happens when we add everything else in? So that was an example of where I got exactly what I was looking for. But the second I listened and identified what was doing it, it was, I don't care what the instrument said. That's really great. So, uh, you know, pink noise will get you, you know, and and really even looking curved, but guess what? Music is dynamic. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a great example of, um, you know, uh, looking at something and, and hearing something, which are two totally different things, which leads us down this road to of perceived loudness and measured loudness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do at a festival uh, is show up and have dudes like bang on their <laughs> bang on their measurement because they they're like. They they hear they hear my mix and they go. There's no way that this is 98 dBA width. They're like, there's something wrong with this piece of gear, and that is because measured loudness and perceived loudness are two totally different things. Um, I'm pretty good at perceived loudness versus the measured. Um, speak to that a little bit. Yeah, <clears throat> there's there's two fronts there. I th- there is there are there's a dynamic reason for that there is a, a, a peak level versus RMS level reason for that. And then there's also, you know, tonal shaping. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about the, I guess I'll go to the, uh, we'll go to the dynamics first. You know, that guy sitting there with his meter, even if it's an average over time, it's going to be, if you have a wildly dynamic mix, even if it's hanging out at 97, but you've got some sloppy drummer that when he gets excited, is pushing it at peaks up to 102 enough of those are gonna matter that's right even if even if it's you know, of course if anyone if they ever try to give you a sound limit based on peak like that's the worst i will immediately call bullshit on that and be like we got to come up with something a little more professional than that but so it, let's assume that it is an average all of those averages matter so what someone like yourself or i are doing is we're being mindful of our dynamic of the pocket we're keeping it in a pocket we're taking the top off. We're not squashing it. And if we are, we're doing it in gentle little steps. So it doesn't feel squashed. Right. That's right. No, absolutely. And that's what we're doing is we're just keeping a lid on it. 
and we're just putting it in a place dynamically. And there's a little bit of sleight of hand there to where it still sounds dynamic. It absolutely does, but you're watching what's happening to the peak level. We've uh, talked about this before, just real quick, in mm -hmm. that when we're talking about bus compression and mastering all of our buses, all of those little mastering points of those buses leads up to this end result where you're, we're, you know, creating a modern sound of that, you know, um, not overly compressed record, but like, you know, record that, that has, uh, dynamics in it still, but is still, you know, I mean, dude, I can literally take my mix bus and go 98, 97, 96. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Seriously, I could do that. P even if you're measuring peak cool. yeah. and that is because the output of my stuff is a mastered output if that makes absolutely. sense yep yeah absolutely yeah i know where the pa is i know where i want my pa to sit every night to the decibel yeah you know it'll only vary a tiny bit either way of that because i know where the mix because the mix sits at the same spot yeah and the systems guys that i work with put it up at the same spot uh the, the other thing i think there is learning how to handle the high mids learn how to handle the high mid register either in the sense that there is no guy sitting there with the meter. You can do whatever you want, man, gun it, floor it, go for it. But watch those low mids because I mean, excuse me, the high mids, because if they're, and it, again, if you, if you don't know what Fletcher Munson curves are, it's the way our, the human ear perceives tonality amplitude as it, uh, amplitude of frequencies as things get louder and softer. We, it changes how we human, the, the, the place where we're the most sensitive, is, are in those high mids and that's specifically, or they feel that we have evolved that way specifically because that's where human, uh, speech, speech. Thank you. Forget what this is. Uh, <laughs> I was looking for a far deeper word. So yes, <laughs> so that we can communicate. So that's yeah. where we're super sensitive. Anyway, the point of that is if you kind of curtail that a little bit and know, know where you're going to be mixing. And that's why kind of knowing level wise too is important because you can hit that consistent, listening level and so your our ears are responding the same way every day you know what i mean totally. uh, things will change totally so, so make, make sure that that area is in check because there's no quicker way than to get the it's harsh it's loud than to be too strong from like one six to three one five or four maybe go up out of that octave you know what i mean totally so, or if you have to go quieter knowing we're knowing that we're more sensitive there if you do like let's say you're somewhere and it is like a 98 db limit or 97 something that you don't wouldn't typically do if any of that stuff is out of the system put it back in because it's going to feel closer at a lower volume you so. want you want perceived loudness to be more impact at low volumes yes. shoot for that low mid-range low section make that a bit more defined and all of a sudden you will feel you know okay now it feels like there's some impact to there yeah. um i think part of this discussion should be about the measured part because um I, you know, it's getting better, but I will tell you how many times have you run into somebody where you show up and they go, oh yeah, by the way, it's 98 DB level. And yeah. you go 98, what 98, what? Yeah. Like that is not, that's, that's like, uh, 
It's not even a sentence. That's like a no. word in a yeah. sentence. Yes. Like a complete <laughs> sentence in yeah. audio land is, and Good. literally I say this to people, I go, well, listen, dude, that's like a word in a sentence. That's not a complete sentence yeah. in audio land is 98 DBA weighted mm -hmm. LEQ Right. over 10 right. at 120 feet from the downstage edge you mm. need all of those information you need what distance what weighting yep. um and you know um what um uh length of time are you measuring is it peak is it you know those are all things that have to be included in that sentence Mm -hmm. for it to be a valid statement someone yep. walking up to you and saying it's got to be 98 tonight that doesn't mean shit to me. 98 no. what? In, in a way, and it's not an excitement I necessarily enjoy. I kind of get excited when they say that. If I if they if I counter with 98 what and they go 98 because I'm like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> totally. You don't have a set of standards that yeah. I'm going to go talk to the production manager. I know. I'm going to fill him in as best I can and yeah. let him know, "Hey, this is horse shit." Until they give me something that is a professional standard we're not doing that we're not you playing know? by whatever this rule is because it's not a rule um right. even guys you know the guy that shows up with the briefcase and starts setting up microphones and you know all that kind of thing i've run into those guys that don't know what the fuck they're talking about and yeah. they say statements like that um that you just go dude like literally you don't know what you're saying like you're saying okay so it's 98 db you're saying 98 db fast peak right. Right. Like that's it. That's insanity. Like, what are you talking about? That means that my LEQ has got to be like 92. Yeah. It's not happening, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. And then they go, well, I, I don't know. And they wander off and come back later with some sort of, you know, answer to that. And, and so my point is, is that there needs to be more education about what measured, mm -hmm. When you're speaking about measured, like, you know, there has to be a distance, there has to be a waiting, right. um, there has to be a time. It ha those three things have to exist for this to be a full conversation about what we're talking about. And you know what? You'll find, too, in those situations, <clears throat> if you are more knowledge, if you are as knowledgeable as them or more knowledgeable, and I was going to say without being a dick, but maybe you just are a dick. Maybe it's just, you know, like, but if you're knowledgeable enough to hang, you will get, not always, but uh, there may be times where you'll get a little leeway. If you're like, well, look, you know, let's, okay, what are you measuring with? Oh, well, okay, well, let's put ours next to it. Look, there's a T 2 dB discrepancy there. I don't know who's right. I'm just telling you, we're measuring 96, you're 98 that suddenly you've got, they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to fuck with this guy, you know? And um, I mean, then you're in Germany where every gig is metered and they have very set standards, but those yeah. people, a lot of times there, they know what the hell they're talking about. They do. They, they do. do. And in Europe, it's commonplace here. It's not. And I think talk about what's coming. Um, I, I think more noise standards, ordinances, it's God, just as long as they're realistic, I don't mind if, if they're realistic, I'll play ball. You know, well, I mean, that's the biggest problem, right? And that maybe you guys don't know this out there, but most of these laws were built upon machinery measurement. So a piece of machinery that emanates 98 dBA weighted for eight hours straight has nothing to do with what we do. So for 75 minutes, for whatever. Exactly. And, and, 
sound laws are oriented for a piece of gear that has solid amount like OSHA regulation, right? Like it's like, okay, I get it. You want guys that are standing next to a piece of machinery that's running all the time, steady 98 dB. The studies have shown that's really bad for your hearing. But if there's any sort of fluctuation, if you can get any sort of dynamics away from a steady amount of um, SPL, then the studies show that there's a, a drastic change in the amount of hearing loss because of that. So here's the problem. All the legislators are working off of the OSHA standing next to a piece of machinery mm -hmm. um, and not off of the, hey, we're music and there are moments of 92 and moments of 104 and mm -hmm. it's never always 98. It's mm -hmm. not a piece of machinery. There's dynamics all over the place. Um, none of that applies to those laws. And so that's the biggest problem when we're talking about some of these laws, you know? Mm -hmm. Very interesting thing on uh, that Bieber tour. There was a guy in Just Sweden. Thinking about, I'm thinking about the crowd noise at a Bieber. Yes. Um, All right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. How where this is going? Yeah. That okay. is where this is going. Cool. All right. So, uh, the problem with LEQ over time is it's exactly what Chris described, where, hey, if you have moments, a lot of moments dynamically of 104, eventually over time, that matters. You're going to mm -hmm. end up to be where your LEQ just starts creeping up and creeping up and creeping up and creeping up. Well, guess what happens in these pop gigs and, you know, stuff like Justin Bieber? It is unbelievable what comes out of a 15 year old's mouth. Like, <laughs> and you put 80,000 of them together and yeah, it's brutal. Uh, it's brutal. Like literally there were moments stadiums in Europe and there were moments where it was like one fifteen a weighted yep. for 15 seconds because in between songs literally like we would stop a song and i'd have to put my fingers in my ears and then trigger the next snapshot keeping my fingers in my ears mm -hmm. and then the song would start and they would shut up because they want to hear the song yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i mean it was like in between songs was and totally all going into your measurement every last sustained second. 114 right. is gonna make your leq you're fucked you're fucked yeah. Right. Um, so um, a lot of places kind of ignored it and were just like, yeah, we understand that the LEQ is now into 102 That's when cool. you were supposed to be in 98. That's cool. Um, which, you know, I would have to have that conversation with them. Like, hey, guys, you know, listen, I do measure me at a smaller LEQ, like measure me, you know, at five minute or a three minute LEQ. And you will discover that I'm really kind of cooking along right here at a hundred or whatever the rules were. Uh -huh. Um, and they, they would do that. They would change it and it'd be fine. Um, but there's this guy in Sweden and I, I can't remember his name, but he is developing technology. This is really interesting. He's developing technology that he takes a board mix from you or a mono feed from your console. And it takes into account whenever there is not low end information happening, it stops measuring. So for instance, oh, okay. um, as you're mixing along, there's always low end usually going on in your stuff. When I say low ends, probably, I don't know what the center of it is. Probably sure. 200. Let's say 200. I was, was going to say, yeah. Let's right. say 200. Right. So as you're mixing pretty much every time, even if it's just an acoustic guitar and a vocal, there is 200 information in that. 
But when a song stops, there's never 200 in it. It's all 1K, 2K, screaming kids. Okay. So literally this piece of software is cooking along. It sees 200. When it gets to a point where it doesn't see 200 anymore, it stops measuring Mm -hmm. and allows your LEQ to be moments only related to your mix Mm -hmm. and not moments related to um, these huge one fourteen moments. Um, and I thought that was really, really smart, you know, and I, I hope that guy, I hope that software permeates, you know, um, cause, uh, I thought especially for these type of artists that we work for, you know? Yep. Cool. I'll tell you my problem real quick before we jump off this one. My problem with measurements averages is everybody I work with these days, I mean, you know, I did Nora Jones for a minute and I've, I've dabbled here and there, but for the most part, everybody that I work with nowadays, doesn't matter the genre, they don't want to take their foot off the gas. Oh man, they, I know. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to throw in the slow song. They don't want to do the ballad. Oh. So that's all you need is one to drop. I know, I know. All Dude, you- that's really funny because I had this, this you know, my relationship with Linkin Park was a, a 11, 12 year relationship and I could have those conversations with them. And I would actually say to them, I've had this conversation with Mike Shinoda where I've said, Hey dude, we're playing, we're in Switzerland today and the rules are really hardcore. Mm -hmm. Can you put, put a slow song about five songs into the set? Put uh-huh. something in there where the dynamics get really low because that'll save the rest of it. That's it. That's yeah. all you got to do. Yeah. 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 But I get it, man. And this as competitive as the, you know, the now the live show thing, you know, the, 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 the record industry is a joke as far as profitability for an artist. It's all about the live thing now. And oh. not only, I mean, not that people haven't always wanted to give the best show, but it is a super competitive thing and wait till this coronavirus shit is over. <laughs> Good you want to talk about competitive shit? Yeah. Unbelievable what's going to be going on. And um, so, yeah, so it's like nobody wants to take their foot off the gas. So you just have this show that is just start to finish, you know? Like, oh, right, man. I guess what we're doing. Okay, I guess we're going. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I was really lucky to work with an artist where I had that relationship where they actually listened to me when I said something like that. You know, oftentimes... Um, I think if I had tried to walk into uh, Justin Bieber's dressing room and tell him that it, yeah, that wouldn't, have, <laughs> that, would, that wouldn't have gone well. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, I mean, if you have that relationship with the artist that you're working with, then, then uh, yeah, awesome. For sure. Um, so, um, well, anyway, we're coming to the end here. Um, sure do appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Um, you know, don't forget, uh, we have the headphone giveaway every week. Um, tune in and, uh, you know, go put yourself on the list there to win a pair. Um, you know, Andy there in Nashville uh, won a pair last week. Um, and um, yeah, man, super, super stoked to uh, get yourself a pair of headphones. Um, especially. Yeah. Especially the M fifties. I, you know, I'm, I'm, this is not me, you know, saying, Oh no, you should, you know, some manufacturer is giving me headphones and I should, t- you know, say that they're amazing. Um, they're, it's truly the pair of headphones that I've been using for years and years and years. It's, it's, uh, the signature, like what we talked about signature mixer, the signature of these headphones for me is, um, makes a lot of sense. Um, so anyway, um, thanks a lot for tuning in, guys. Uh, we love you. And uh, keep the comments coming. We'll do some more Q&A. All right? Thanks, guys. See you.